It's Tepo Waffle Time! Welcome to Tepo Waffle with Troyful and Stiefel. Right, so today. Today we're going to waffle about whether or not uh, teachers should love what they teach. I'm talking specifically about the topic. So if you're a math teacher, should you love mathematics? If you're an English teacher, should you love English? Yeah, basically. So, uh, but but hang on. The first question is: If you're an English teacher, do you love English or do you love languages? I guess it, are they separate or are they the same? I would say they're separate because um, an English teacher is going to teach English, but a language teacher should then teach English, but still have a love for a variety of languages. So, for example, somebody who's in Asia and is teaching English will be very interested in. The students' knowledge of their language and what other languages there are around here, and um, how the languages interact with one another, and that's a that's a language love. Oh, okay. All right. So we have two topics. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the English one. Okay. Okay. Can you tell me any interesting fact about the English language? Um, there are, all, depending on how you count them, there are almost a million words in English. Ooh, that is an interesting fact. Mm. Okay, um, let's try really generic things. Um, what do you think is the most common letter in the English language? Most common letter in the English language is S. S. Actually, no. The most common first letter in the English language is S. Oh. There we go. All right. So. What's the most common letter then? A. E. 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 <laughs> e. Yeah. Okay. okay. What's the most common sound in English? The schwa. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. So Which we. Which is the name of the sound, not the sound. The sound is. Okay, so can we assume then that we love English? I guess so. I mean, we know these random facts. Not that knowing about S and E are, are that exciting, but uh, yeah, I would assume we do. Uh, but your question is: Does uh, teaching English is is loving English a, pr- a pr- prerequisite? Prerequisite. Thank you for for teaching it. Yeah, that's the question. I mean, I, I don't think it's a prerequisite. But I think most teachers who get into to teaching English by default end up loving the language and learning lots of facts about it. And and sure, some of those facts are things like uh, you find out when French fries were invented because you are teaching that unit of headway, and they used it as their way of teaching past simple. That's unit six, isn't it? <laughs> I can't actually remember <laughs> if it's headway or not. Okay, but there is a. Um... It's just to throw a spanner in this wheel, um, I never planned to become an English teacher. Okay. I would never have considered myself as a young person to... I would never have considered English as an actual vocation. I fell into it purely by accident. Um, I never knew about it until I started travelling. Um, I didn't even know what a TESOL course was until I actually needed one. Uh, my bachelor's degrees and my goals as as an undergraduate were completely different. And um, at high school, I think I was one of the weakest students in, in English. My writing wasn't very good. And so to love English and become an English teacher perhaps is, is not the beginning point. Okay, but uh, do you end up loving English and finding out lots of, what's it called, esoterica about the language just... 
you become a teacher, you get into your subject, you get interested in your subject, and you end up finding out lots of little things. Um, I, I, I'm of the opinion that I love language. Okay. All right, so the other discussion is, should you love languages? Now, I would say that um, maybe I've come at it from the opposite direction. I did love English, but I didn't love languages until I started, until I became a language teacher. But I definitely loved English before I was a language teacher. The love of languages came later. Uh, just describe your how you, how your love of English instantiated when you were younger. Uh, just things like uh, knowing that uh, parsimonious is a word, which is of course is a word that no one uses, uh, but it is a real word. And uh, things like you know, you'd hear what to me is an interesting anecdote about the origins of the simile "mad as a hatter," and I. I'd remember that. That would be something that I genuinely found interesting. Now, not to say that this informs my teaching. I don't think it does. And I think uh, telling my students about the origins of that simile, it's not going to help them understand English or speak English. I, I think that's kind of redundant. It's. Uh, but your love of those kind of things and your love of how English works and fits together made in language teaching a, a, a natural step. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't love English and then decide that, oh, yes, so I'll be a language teacher because I love English. It was, I loved English and I became a language teacher. And I've noticed that a lot of teachers, they just know a lot about the language and not know a lot about it in the context of, I know, grammar rules or things like that just history, uh, uh, the etymology of, of words, the trivia. All right, so if, if, we, if we take that line of thought, a language teacher, a teacher of English uh, in an ESL setting is somebody who's going to take an interest in English, interest in how words fit together and what they do, might know a lot of trivia about it that doesn't end up in the classroom but it's still really interesting let's go back to the languages because okay. that, that's interesting should a language teacher t learn lots of languages if you say you're an applied linguist which is what a language teacher is um, do you actively engage in language learning as part of your language teaching career uh, I suppose there's an active and a passive study of, of languages um, so, for example, um, I can name most of the letters in the Thai alphabet, uh, but I can't really read. Uh, being able to recognize a letter is, is certainly not reading. Uh, and that's a, a passive knowledge. Uh, it's not an active, I'm studying the language, it's a, I know things about the language. Now, partly that is, look, I live in Thailand. Of course, I'm going to pick up this knowledge. Well, I think, in a way, you'd have to actively try not to pick up the knowledge. It's, it's around you all the time. Uh, actively, does a, a language teacher have to be a language student? I would say they don't have to, but I think... Uh, I don't know, I think it's hard to be a language teacher without 
the empathy of knowing what it's like to have to learn a language. The, the act of learning how to say a new sound, a sound that does not exist in the English language, being able to say it, being able to recognize it and hear it, uh, that absolutely informs my teaching. I get exactly where the students are coming from. When, when they can't say E, I get it. Because, yeah, I remember not being able to say a sound. And I distinctly remember that moment of, what do you mean not E, E? Those are the same two things twice. Mm. But, of course, once you learn that they are separate things. Yeah, now I, I get it when my students go, I can't hear the difference between those two words. Mm. Yeah, um, certainly the language learning process is, is great for empathy. It teaches empathy. And... Um, Learning the language of the country that you're in also ignites some of the passion that is created in the language learning. You know, you, you forget how exciting it is if you don't do it. If you don't know how exciting it is to suddenly be able to communicate with somebody using sounds that are foreign to you, but, but they're meaningful to the people around you, and that's exciting. And also the, the, the recognition and respect you get from the locals when, when you do have even a rudimentary knowledge of, of abstract languages. So if you're in a, a random African country where, where foreigners generally don't speak the language, and you can, um, it garners a lot of respect from, from the people around you and from your students. You know, I don't believe that you should use it in the classroom, but I think it really helps when the students are speaking to each other okay. and uh, you can understand what they're talking about or... or um, what kind of problems they're having because of their interaction with one another. Yeah, that's that's the part that I find very interesting about languages, and I would say that I love them now. When you learned that there's a word for this concept in that language, and it doesn't exist in English, or vice versa, there is no word for that concept that we have in English. They, they don't have a term for it, and so when that student is trying to communicate, the, the breakdown is not that I don't know enough English. The breakdown sometimes is I'm trying to communicate something that can't be communicated in the same way in English. Right. Or I'm learning to say something that does not exist in my language, therefore I can't conceptualise it. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's one of the... For me, that's one of the best parts of learning a language is you learn something and you go, this language has a word for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I find that amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the answer is then, yes, a teacher of language should have a passion for language. Um, and a teacher of English, I think, inherently becomes passionate about English simply because it's so interesting and vibrant and alive. Okay. All right. Do you have an interesting word for me from Thai or Cambodian or Vietnamese? I have, um, Thai and Cambodian have got this word, ga which has no translation into English. And they use it f frequently. It's peppered across everything. And um, it's one of those words that you can't translate out. Kind of like of. If students ask me what the meaning of of is, I don't know. Um, and ga is like that. They, In Khmer, for example, or in Thai, they say, oh, in, in Khmer, they say, which means, yes, let's go. Um, but if you, though means to go, and gar is this funny word, and then do is go again. So 
go something go means yeah okay let's go um um but it creates a very different atmosphere to the invitation than it does in english to just say let's go let's go kind of is is forceful and um um it's almost an instruction come on let's go uh whereas in Khmer if you if you use go in in that phrase it it creates a very uh a feeling of camaraderie and and togetherness which which let's go doesn't create okay my one of my favorite words was in thai it's one of the first words that i learned and it was translated as cute now how would you say cute in thai nara nara yeah okay but the 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 implied meaning the surrounding words to to that are great because when I learned it, it wasn't translated to me. I was just, what does that word mean? And the person demonstrated with to me. It's like, you know, when you have a baby and that baby is so just oh, and you want to bite that baby. That's the meaning of that word. And I went, that's amazing. And so now when I hear nara, I, I don't translate it to cute because it's so much more than cute. Mm. Cute is you know, it cute's just cute. I'm sorry, it's not that great, but narak is wow. That's you know, that's a word that has a lot of a lot of warmth and emotion, mm. and you know, yeah, yeah, it's a great word. Okay, right. So I hope you guys are learning some languages and finding them fascinating. Yeah, and if you aren't, um, you need to read some more because there's lots of interesting stuff about languages out there. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time.